Today's chat is brought to you by the support of all our Twitch subscribers. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through the Twitch platform, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the website and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a subscriber of the FFC and gaining access to some exclusive features over in the Discord server, please be sure to visit our Twitch account and click on the subscribe button. If you're an Amazon Prime member, remember that you do have a free subscription to Twitch every month that can be used for this. And for those of you who are already subscribers, thank you again for your generosity. You may have heard the whispers of guardians gathering in the shadows, exploring the mysteries of this world and the worlds which surround us. We are all in search of truth. Sometimes we need to focus that search, focus that fire. And so we come together. Join us. Join the discussion. Welcome to Focused Fire Chat. Welcome back for episode 162 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on March 22nd over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. As always, I want to give a big shout out to our live chat here with us. Thank you so much for coming and joining us once again. Our topic for tonight's episode is going to be a look at the Stolen Intelligence lore book. But first, let's run through a quick introduction of those on the show for tonight. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew 86 we also have with us our own master of social media, the one and only Green Eye Music Lover. Green, how are you doing? I'm good, and you did that very well considering that you're running the thorn strike <laughs> at this very moment. I'm really good at dodging things right now. <laughs> Apparently. I mean, good lord. That strike is... Oh, okay, so you have not tried to do the thorn strike, the Zavathun song on extreme difficulty. I, I still say this, this is the most difficult encounter in all of Destiny at the moment. Yeah, period. it's it's definitely got like, and it, it's it's like a com, it's like the perfect confluence of uh, modifiers and just setup, right? Yeah, I, I really I, am the, actually was, not. I'm not super upset about it. Like this really reminds no. me a lot of the original Thwest. It's a good quest. Like I'm not mad about the quest at all. I think it was really well. I think it was well designed with the not only with the modifiers and everything and um, the amount of burn that you're going to encounter at the end, especially. Yeah, don't um, don't scare me, please. I mean, you're already <laughs> at the end. Oh, yeah. Oh, you mean like the the actual like, OK, just I thought I thought you meant like the axi- what, Yeah. Just, oh, God. The axiom bolts. bolts are. Yeah, there's words. Have an auto I, rifle ready. That's all I'm saying. There's words that I want to say. <laughs> uh huh. But no, I mean, as far as how my week has gone, it's been fairly productive. Uh, one of my major projects that I'm working on the side right now is more than halfway finished, and all I'm doing now is collecting clips so I can have a video to go with it. So. Nice. Up, upcoming nice. secret project. Yes. That if you're that but, if you're listening live, you might you might have a, we might have a sneak peek for at the end of the show after we stop recording because I do not want to send it out. <laughs> Green's a little shy. Yes. <laughs> well, rounding out our usual fire team, are you our good old buddy, the lore content cop himself, Beard Grizzly, who's uh, become obsessed with last names and dust. Beard, how are you doing? 
Not just uh, last names and dust, let me tell you. <laughs> let me, uh... Let me, let let me, me tell let you me something. Tell you. Gather round, children, <laughs> as I tell you a story. Um, so, I'll, I'll give a small hint on this one. Uh, first, actually, to answer your question, I'm doing better now. Uh, if you had asked me a week ago, almost precisely a week ago, uh, I would have told you, terrible. Because mm-hmm. I had the worst migraine I think I've had in uh, probably over a year. Uh, not to be graphic, but usually when I upchuck, I feel better. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't happen with this one. Ooh. Like, usually that's when all the tension is out, like most of the pain goes away and everything like that. Not this time. Uh, the pain held for a grand total of five days. And I know I probably should have uh, sought medical attention for that point. But one, not that easy. Uh, two, unfortunately, uh, I knew that it was a migraine and there wasn't much else they could do for me other than being like, hey, do you want the equivalent of like legalized meth or something to knock the pain out of you? <laughs> oh, God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't mean uh, to laugh, but I mean, yeah, it's it's oh, like that's yeah. that's about. Like that's really about where I would be at that point for uh for 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 uh handling said pain. Like it would be that bad. Dang. Uh so again it was it it's been a rough week, which uh I've I've been really uh thankful because one, if there's anybody on this uh live or listening later on that um would uh would uh, would or has, I should say uh, helped out with the uh, the Drifter video that I put out last week. Uh, thank you guys a lot for the mm-hmm. welcome back, as well as the reception for that. Uh, that video is now like I think my my top one of my top fives at this point. Nice. Uh, so thank you guys so much for that. Uh, there will be more like it, uh, where I am planning to be one. Just like throw out my uh, my ideas of. Uh, like more, more, more. Just here's my feelings and thoughts, rather than just like here's a bunch of information. Because I feel like we've got plenty of guys in the in the community that do like a lot of the here's the information. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I want to be able to connect back with you guys a little bit more. And I think that's one way I can. Uh, so again, thank you guys so much for doing that. For my little hint that I wanted to give, there is the last name of a uh, certain person named uh, Lavinia, which you can find the uh, book Dust. I will have you look up that one because it will take you down a small rabbit hole to begin with. Uh, I will also say that a non-pig uh, is actually the one that kind of is to blame for this. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, he had pointed out to, to me something that I didn't that didn't click with me last week, uh, probably because I was in a lot of pain at that time because I had done it on uh, Sunday. But the invitations from the nine, mm-hmm. the first one was entitled the world mm-hmm. and i i didn't catch what this week's was but apparently it also follows into the same spectrum of what i'm now further researching uh and there are there are several things that the last name of lavinia coupled with the writer that is involved with that last name, and then the subject of what the world and this other uh orientation mean uh that will become very apparent very quickly uh, and I had a thought as I was at work and I didn't want to work because I started to go down this rabbit hole, of course. Oh no. Um, 
I will say that I have found something really interesting, and I can't wait to tell you guys about it once I get it all together. Uh, but if you guys are looking for any hints or ideas on like where I'm kind of going, that is all I'm going to give you for now. Um, but I am really interested to see uh, what you guys kind of bring up or what you can kind of like feel about this one uh, once we get into it. Uh, but that being said, to answer your question, I'm doing much better this week. Uh, still slight amount of pain because we had another like 30 degree drop from uh, another storm that happened today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but much better than I was last week. That's for sure. That's great. I'm glad, I'm just glad because I know weather. I mean, we were just I was just talking actually with one of our neighbors about the weather because the weather mm-hmm. here has been all over the place as well. And it's kind of that's kind of not unique for right now for at least in the states. It's not because geez, no. it's it's all over the place. Um, but green. Oh, I really don't want to go down this tangent too much. But uh, <laughs> if any. If anybody feels like telling me that uh, global warming doesn't exist, you're freaking wrong. You don't understand the concept of it, and you need to go ahead and educate yourself because we need to do something very quickly. Thank you for the platform. I'll turn this back over to what we're actually talking about tonight. Good Lord. Uh, uh, I was going to say green, actually. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to throw – I'm trying not to throw shade at green. So this is – don't take this wrong. She remembered to ask a question this week. Um, I'm not um, moving anymore. (laughs) Yeah, she like there was legit reasons why there weren't questions being asked. Um, But I know also I'm pretty sure this was one that we had some pretty awesome answers to. Yeah. Or at least entertaining answers that maybe might be a better word for it. I mean, yeah. So the question this week I asked, because we're talking about stolen intelligences, which are basically, they're circled around the hidden. And I asked the community, if you were Ikora and in charge of the hidden, what would you be most interested in researching or spying on? And we had a huge gambit of things. Anything from um, where is sheer? I like what you did there. I like what you did there. Gambit of things? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I got you back. I got you. Um, <laughs> Little Rabbit asks where the hell is Shiro for? One Fox is like he wants to know about the farm because of Tyra being lonely. Doom's like enemy tech. Bo wants to know about the curse. Asher Mir, um, the RP account, a.k.a. Real Asher Mir, asked about the lake. <laughs> Figure it out yourself, jerk. Um <laughs> B-Boy Steve. Beard's like, but but I want to know. But I'm not sure. But I'm not sure. Um, B-Boy Steve was asking about the collapse and spying on the nine. A bunch of different things. I think my favorite one is still got to be Z's. Um, (laughs) Z asked two questions. How many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? And... What's the max possible flight speed and flight distance of a fully armored cabal launched from a gravity accelerator at half the Earth's gravity with a 10 mile per hour headwind? But None is it surprising? But is it whatsoever. is it a is it a loyalist cabal or is it a Red Legion cabal? I mean, how much does the cabal weigh? Also, what is the average dimensions of a cabal? I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't know. Understood. <laughs> Blue. No, <laughs> but yeah, uh, lots of great answers from the community on that one. 
both uh, highly amusing and like serious ones, but oh I like gosh. it. You guys are you guys are sneaky snakes. I like it. Sneaky snake. I know I'm a sneaky snake. Rat. Look you. <laughs> You're the rat. You're the one who went with Vanguard. Hey, look. Just because I have <laughs> standards. Right. Sure. Right. Yeah. What kind of standards are you talking about? Blowing up a whole city block standards, but sure, we'll go with that. Don't get me started again. Nobody hey, wants to be get fair, me started again. To be fair, she did evacuate it before she blew it up. Anyway. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> what's, um, the, what's the saying in, in Britain? Jog on. <laughs> That's a different saying than I was thinking of. But anyway, we're going to go with that yeah, one. Yeah, you know. Uh, <laughs> so we'll run through our standard intro notes, and then we'll get into it. In our last episode of Focus Fire Chat, we discussed the letters from a renegade lore book. If you enjoy the show, please be sure to rate, and if you can, leave us a written review on iTunes, or comment on the episodes on Podbean, or whichever podcasting app you use to enjoy podcasts. Reviews are extremely helpful as they not only let us know what we can do better, but help continue to expand the FFC family, which allows more and more perspectives to be heard. To those of you who have already taken the time to leave us a review, thank you. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a gathering place where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within game lore, with a special focus on the Destiny universe. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Friday, at around 10pm Central, we get together to stream a high-level summary of the previous week's chat for those who were unable to participate. If you're a fan of lore and alt's various forms, be sure to also check out thelorenetwork.com, where you can find a wide variety of some amazing content that covers a number of different titles and mediums. This will also be the new home for the Focus Fire Chat episode note archives and articles going forward. Our next chat is going to be a discussion on ghosts and their guardians. As usual, the plan is to set aside next week's discussion for a summarization of the extra lore content for March, Devil May Cry. Before we jump into the information and thoughts that the community had about the stolen intelligence, however, let's have a quick chat about this week's Lost Lore. Uh, this this week for the the lost lore segment, I think the best one will actually that would actually fit really is uh, just kind of a, a recap on who the hidden are. Um, and I know Green and I were talking a little bit about this uh, beforehand. It's it's a tough tough thing uh, because mostly there's not a lot of information. Surprise surprise about the hidden, and and that kind of actually goes in line with what they are. Uh, what we understand about the hidden is that um, they are basically the I, I, they're the intelligence and the counterintelligence network within not just the guardian ranks but also the city ranks. Um, I don't I don't have enough information to say technically how they're necessarily related to Al Sector. They do work it seems in tandem with them. Uh, the hidden, however, are from what we have seen predominantly, if not all guardians, 
though some of the infer- some of the reports in this particular lore book that we're going to talk about tonight actually kind of paints a picture that that might not be 100% the case. Uh, the owl sector is 100% civilian. There are no guardians, it seems, within the owl sector. They might, there's a potential that the owl sector might like outsource some of the scouting missions to guardians uh, just simply because of the dangers of certain events. But the predominant figures that we know of within owl sector are all civilians. Um, similar, the, uh, the predominant figures, the like, I think three current, well, now we have a few bit more, a few more names to add to the list, but up until the release of this book, we only really knew about two or three hidden names specifically. Um, and they have been all guardians. Uh, we do know that the hidden are pretty much managed by Ikora. She inherited this organization from Osiris, uh, which, you know, that caused a few interesting theories to crop up before we were, got the information about Osiris that we did with curse of, uh, Osiris. Um, but we do know that they are controlled mostly by the Warlock Mentor or the Vanguard Mentor of the Warlocks, uh, which goes in line with that Mentor being really responsible for tactical research of basically the darkness and other enemies of the city, uh, which <clears throat> we'll get into a little bit with, especially, I believe it's Cocytus, uh, which is a piece of counterintelligence, actually, that gets that gets leaked. Um I'm trying to think uh, the known hidden real quick that we do know about uh, before before the book. I'll, I'll add to that list. Like I said, there are some names that get added to the list in this book. The uh, list that we know of before was, like I said, Osiris formerly. Ikora Ray is the kind of the ringmaster. I believe it's Chalco, Chalco Yong, I believe his last name, um, is one of the kind of the uh, superior members or senior members, it seems. Eris Morn was a member of the Hidden. Uh, it's unknown as of if her status is still there. Um, and that's really kind of it. Uh, Green, did you have any other stuff before I kind of go start into, I guess, the the stolen, infra- stolen intelligence? Do we have... I mean... I mean, the biggest thing about the hidden is that they are agents out there, but they're they are charged with certain tasks, but at the same time, they're kind of free to move about a bit too. Because we know Finchurch in particular um, goes on crazy adventures, according to uh, which. Yeah, I was going to say this actually explains maybe why Finchurch goes on some of those crazy adventures. Right. Uh, real quick, I just to. I just remembered, I also wanted to call out the fact that the Hidden, while they report to the Warlock Vanguard, are not solely Warlocks. Uh, they Correct. are they, they range all classes of Guardians. Mm-hmm. So it is it is literally um, it, it's 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 literally a Guardian wide network. Uh, I know that they're early early on in Destiny, especially Destiny 1, when we first learned about the Hidden, it was a pretty hot button debate whether or not this was like uh, the shadow smiths or like you know the the red jacks while we still don't know who the shadow smiths are you know the red jacks have have obviously been cleared up um but like we we kind of had these these mysterious little organizations ascribed to each vanguard mentor and it was thought that the hidden might just simply be warlocks um we have obviously since then uh chalco is a hunter eris is a hunter uh 
Finchurch is a warlock. I'm trying to think who else did I have on here. Um, Trust, if that's, uh, and we'll get into this, but like there's a few that might be Titans. Um, You know, there it's, it doesn't, it's not restricted to class. It's just really, it seems like if you're willing to do covert operations, then the hidden will probably, you know, probably have you help them in some way or form uh we do know from i believe it was house of wolves expansion that there is a somewhat mark of the hidden uh we don't know exactly what that particular mark and i i don't mean like a titan mark i mean like an actual sigil uh there this was a comment an idle dialogue comment given by i believe it was brother vance uh who mentioned i know that i know that symbol i we don't know How does if Brother Vance see a symbol. Yeah, I'm not going to get into the creepiness of that statement. Um, anyway, I mean, how does Brother Vance use a digital pad that doesn't have Braille? Like, right? I mean, there's a lot of questions about Brother Vance that that need some answers. But um, the light works in mysterious. mysterious ways. Oh God, just go away. <laughs> I'm a warlock. No, you're not. Go back home. Um, no, and I was going to say the uh, the debate is the uh, symbol that Eris has. There has been some speculation that I've seen that that is actually the symbol of the hidden. Uh, I don't know. I don't really necessarily. I don't. I don't know if I agree with it. I don't know if I disagree with it. Um, but there does seem to be something that the hidden use to identify each other. Uh, and the other thing is, is we find, I don't, I, I obviously, neither of these two schmucks cho- chose the Vanguard for the Allegiance quest, but if you follow the quest steps on the Allegiance quest for the Vanguard, you actually find out, like, just how well, or just how ingrained into even just city life the hidden are. Uh, there are minor agents within the civilization, or the, not the civilization, the civilians. civilians. There are, yeah, there are minor agents within the civilians that are basically uh, the equivalent of like gophers, uh, which uh, it's a term for like message runners, basically. Now, I don't know if I feel comfortable saying that they are full-fledged members of the hidden, but they are you know, at least smaller cogs within the the machine that is this particular intelligence network, Um, which actually kind of brings me to the stolen intelligence. Um, Mm -hmm. So real quick, a real brief summary of, I I really actually really like this, this particular book. Um, It clarifies a lot of what's kind of going on both in current events as well as kind of nodding to some of the the loose threads that have been uh, hanging around. Um, And it also actually we we, it's an actual book in game like it is an actual uh, stack of documents that we get from Anor in game Uh, and it gets explained I want to say it's instability that explains it just blanked on whether or not that's actually the entry that explains it. But it basically what it is, is Anor kind of hijacked Zavala's uh, strike protocol and smuggled these documents into the strike protocols so that when you're running strikes, if you the way you get this this book is you rank up the Vanguard. So basically what she did was she she uh, hacked into his his strike protocols and embedded these this information files into the packages that he gives the guardians uh, so that 
every guardian who is running strikes has access to this information that before then it was kind of it wasn't uh it wasn't clear if it was necessarily censored but it has been decrypted by her her personal id tag and sent out to everyone so she's basically she basically had enough of some some things being hidden and which is ironic uh and is showing them to everyone she's she's kind of pulling back the curtain if you will on some of this stuff um and that's really that's really where we kind of get introduced to it is that's and also if you're looking at these entries you'll notice that's what the header the header of these particular things is a block of text uh the decryption key includes uh anor's hidden id tag which is the aun i think it's 326 um that is a nor and so that's kind of just a, a really brief intro of um oh thank you dino uh the oxygen oxygen scout rifle which is the best scout rifle ever i love it it reminds me so much of hung jury um but uh yeah so the oxygen scout rifle i believe is the card that uh is the one that kind of kind of gives a nod to um it actually gives a nod to the current status of the vanguard as well which i really like uh there as well i think that's the one that shows ikora and zavala also kind of repairing their friendship which was really that's good yeah it's it's really i i might have had a minor disagreement with bife on how to read it um but i i think that it's more about them kind of realigning their friendship and getting back to speaking terms uh because we know that ikora is really severe in the compartmentalization of things with people that she doesn't agree with <coughs> her ghost um and so zavala actually kind of seems to be making a, a kind of a a, a, a a he's he's offering an olive branch basically and ikora actually takes it so they their their relationship seems to be on the mend which given the events of forsaken you know it was it was put through a ringer uh not just because of the uh death of Cade but also because of how Zavala responded and kind of the the muzzling of Ikora if you will in that the disagreement on how to react to it um so they seem to be finally moving beyond or moving past it and and kind of coming out not necessarily maybe not i i wouldn't i don't know if i would say they're stronger for it but their their relationship is at least intact in some degree um but with that i really kind of i'll hand it green did an amazing job she helped me out this week with the notes and she kind of blew it out of the water so i'm going to actually turn turn this over to her for the first card in the stolen intelligence so we have outliers which is the very first card and it is by it's about the fallen and it's by from agent ran 187 which blue who is i don't agent know ran? who it is it's like that's the one so pins <laughs> pins would like to submit the suggestion that it is randall the vandal um, oh my god that would be amazing i i firmly and immediately was like no <laughs> well, I mean, we have Mithrax in this card too. I mean, but, there's, okay, so so I, I know I'm. So in all seriousness, I I love the I love the 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 joke there as well. Um, but to to clarify, actually, there is a difference in what we see as hidden call signs and VIP IDs. 
Uh, mm-hmm. VIP IDs are going to be, uh, it will usually say VIP hash, uh, four digit number. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they're always a four digit number. The hidden call signals so far, as we have seen so far are three letters dash three numbers. I haven't quite put my finger on the significance of the numbers. Uh, cause I haven't, I mean, really... Icorus is pretty amazing. You think? I, I think I'm, I mean I mean I might have you I might almost, have you walk me through that one. It's almost 007. Almost. Oh yeah 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 no I yeah I yeah that's true yes, um, but I, I haven't quite put my finger on where the numbers come into play. But the first letter, the three letters, do tend or do seem to be all the first three letters of their first name. Mm-hmm. Uh, so from this particular book, just real quick, the ones that we are that I'm very certain of are Ari E R I two two three. That would be Eris Morn. Uh I K O O O or I K O Zero Zero Six is Ikora. Um C H A three one nine is Chalco. F E N O zero nine two is Finchurch. A U N three two six is Anor. Um and then as we, I'll, I'll I'll kind of weigh in on the VIP numbers because that kind of gets that's a longer list. Yeah, the and VIP I also numbers do are also I, a mess. Yeah, there there's one VIP number that I'm like, okay, I know exactly where the logic was for the the ascri- the ascribing of the number. The other ones, I, I I like I don't really I don't think I don't know if there's a rhyme or reason to the other ones some, necessarily. I mean, some of them may be when they became known to us as far as like they're just going cataloging them chronologically well and i I mean it's also i thought that too but i don't i don't know like there's there's i don't know i i thought that too but then there's some that are kind of weird weird in the way Mm -hmm. like like the one for varix and the one for our guardian would not follow that logic necessarily well, our guardian, though, like I don't know. If no, they... like our guardian, like our guardian, for example, is the VIP number two zero one two twenty fourteen. Which, I mean, my personal theory. I don't know if this is the actual case, but my personal theory is that might have something to do with I don't know the year that Destiny One was released, uh, which was twenty fourteen. Um, but then Varix is one one two one. But I'm pretty sure we didn't have IDs on Varix until either close to after or. Right, like immediately before. House of Wolves. Well, but I mean, and I mean, you could argue that the hidden had records on these particular figures beforehand. Um, But then, like you know, that I guess my my point is, if it's a numer, if it's a simple uh, chronological uh, chronological numerical system, then I would I just would expect some of these numbers to be a little bit more disparate because, like, uh, Oryx is twenty fifteen, right. And we're 2014. There was a lot of information that got released between the time that we showed up and the time that orcs kind of got showed up. So I mean, it's just to me, I I, I think there is a system in place. Um, I just quite I haven't quite figured it out, and I could also be overthinking it. I do have a document similar to the list of light bearers that I can put in the show notes for this particular piece. Um, I'm also working on trying to compile all the acronyms and trying to figure out, you know, an easy way to reference those. Um, but yeah, so yeah, sorry. Green, no, please, please continue with the outliers. So outliers is a report from a hidden about the possible 
reunification and, and I would not necessarily say uprising, but reunification of House Dusk and the fallen culture and society in general. Uh, the very first thing, the first section of this, which is all these cards are broken down pretty much through numerical things as far as points that each of the agents are making. Um, point one in this card is that refugee attacks have dwindled essentially in number since the Red War due to a variety of reasons, mostly because of the depressed population of humanity as well as as well as the fallen. So there's less attacks happening on the road. There's not a whole lot going on there. Not necessarily because the fallen are not attacking and they're friendly. They're becoming friendly with us, but more so in the fact that both populations have dwindled since the Red Red War. Another second part is the hus- house dusk is splintering and radicalizing. De- uh, destructuralization of the fallen society, which I thought this is really super interesting to me in this card, is the fact that the culture of the fallen Archon Kel um, society, that kind of hub as far as what they believe in and how they believe, uh, is kind of sort of falling away with a lot of the younger generation. Which they makes are, sense. yeah, and and they're adapting more mythological mythological s- structures like we have in humanity. More dark, not necessarily dark age stuff, but they're adapting our own cult- culture within their cell within themselves. <laughs> I don't know. It's well, it also is very similar to uh, in ancient, you know, pre medieval times when armies would invade. They there was a lot of times if they were inhabiting an area for an extended period of time, the the cultures that they were actually arguably fighting against, they would actually start assimilating them because it was just right. Nat- it's just natural to kind of match your environment. Um, oh yeah, and that's why any sort like, of mi- migratory group is going mm-hmm. to assimilate into the environment in which they encompass or right. Are encompassed and then, by. but I mean, you also see that with like the military conquest of the Roman Empire. Uh, one of the arguments that the Romans were so good at assimilating the different cultures is that's actually one of the reasons. It's it's arguably one of the reasons that they were able to expand as vastly as they did was because they, for a large part of it, they didn't really fight the the cultures that they acquired like there there was parts that they were like no you have to do this like you have to you have to recognize us as you know your sovereigns or whatever but other than that they're like yeah we we have house gods you know your your gods are you know for religious connotation your gods are your house gods okay cool whatever we have those you know there was there was no um argument and in a lot of cases you know you see as i use the roman empire because it was a very easy example but you see a lot of actually adoption of their own their their enemies' culture almost. They they kind of actually take it and make it their own. Like they, I mean, they they do that really on a regular basis. Um, and so I like how they've portrayed the fallen as kind of and doing a, a similar kind of thing. Is that you know they're they're fighting against us, but. They have been fighting against us for so long that they actually are starting to lose a bit of themselves. Um, mm-hmm. And you also have, you know, the death of what what I've always referred to as the fallen triumvirate between the the Kel, the Archon Prime, and the uh, Servitor Prime, or the uh, God, I just blanked the Archon yeah. and the Servitor. Mm-hmm. Um, well, 
you have the the scorn which are you know killing all the servitors and you have alderin who kind of destroy the last really uh old kel and so now and i i think i think uh the report calls it out but it's like the only people surviving in the fallen ranks are the younger generations like there there are no very like varix is really at this point probably arguably i think maybe other than mithrax is probably arguably one of the predominant older figures um so there's not a lot of fallen that actually remember the old ways uh and and that's why i mean even in varix and most loyal which big shout out to potato for the amazing work that he did with the audio uh supplement there but um it's called out that that's one of the reasons that varix prefers to work with certain fallen is because mm-hmm. they, even though they're disrespectful to him, they still speak the old language. Like right. they, there's, there's very like these weird, like little nuanced reasons that Varix picks to work with people, and that's kind of a, another call out there is that their their culture is dying, and it's it's not dying because of necessarily a violent takeover. It's dying because of just time. They're just they're they're losing sadly a war of attrition with themselves. Um, but I, I think that agree, I agree with you, Green. I think that this this entry was really interesting because it also kind of it it kind of bundles up a few different questions on you know like what is going on with the fallen mm-hmm. and and kind of almost also points or paints a, a somewhat sketch or I guess sketches a possible picture of what we can expect in the future for the fallen because with the uh, call out to um, House of Light, actually, I really like that that nod there um Mm -hmm. that mithrax is and it it even like i like the tongue-in-cheek nature of the response that the guy the the people writing this report they're like well you know supposedly this guy is helping us but i'd believe it when i see it kind of kind of attitude i like that it gives a it gives a more realistic flavor in my mind to it it does and the thing that i enjoy about this is we get I don't remember ever hearing about uh, Aramis. We know about Varix. We know about Mithrax to a bit. And granted, those two are are listed as uh, would-be Tegranist, Tegranationist. Mm -hmm. Basically, the good guys side of Fallen, like people who we could possibly have relationships with, uh, versus uh, the Separatists, which would be Fickrel and Aramis. Which, I don't remember seeing anything about Aramis, really. Um, but also if, a big nod to what's going on with Fickrel, because that yeah. gets called out here. Uh, mm-hmm. So it is canonical now that we have an equivalent of Tanix on, you know, in Destiny Two. Uh, for those who didn't play Destiny One, Tanix was the ever annoying plague of a fallen who just refused to die. Uh, and he was actually called out in, in lore as like he, he was killed by multiple people and then just showed back up. And it was like, OK, they they literally like Cade Cade mentions that he they don't know why he won't die. He just won't. Um, so now we have kind of a nod that maybe Fickrel is kind of a similar uh, situation. Yeah. Also get a call out about Aldrin in this one, which is interesting because the call out about Aldrin in this book is essentially it's during the Fickrel section given 4503, which is Aldrin, uh, propens- or not, no, that's Fickrel's propensary, propensary for re- resurrection. 
the mm-hmm. inherent risk of 4503 reclaiming the body of the murderer Aldrin Sov from his final resting place in the Dreaming City goes without saying. If, as depending on the timing of this book and possibly the, um, the this person may not have all the information, from what it looks like, the city doesn't know that Aldrin has been resurrected. This is only one perspective, but right. it and looks think, like the city think, doesn't know. I think that's important too, though, is to keep that in mind that yes. we, um, how do I say this? Uh, we as players, I, I refer to this as have, out of out of character information. Yeah, uh, we have information that even our own character does not have. They do. They saw it. Oh at yeah, no, that's the, right. That, in, right, in right, 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 right. Sorry, we saw it. We saw it. But mm-hmm. um, sorry, yes, characters in game. That's how. That's how we found out N- about it. NPC but NPCs, characters. Yeah, yes. they, which is weird because sometimes, most of the time when you're playing an RPG, it's actually the other way around. NPCs have information that you don't have. Um, mm-hmm. And so, but I think that's also an important thing to keep in mind when we look at how NPCs react to things is that, again, reiterating what Green just said, this is one perspective. There are there are catalysts to why why characters will react a certain way to certain events. Um, you know, we saw that with, you know, I, I know Beard's going to groan at me, but we saw that with Zavala, with Warmind, you know, there's, there's a lot of different times that he, I'm not saying that I agree with the decision, but I can see the logic behind the decision, if that makes sense. Um, and, and that's, again, that kind of goes back to, that's what I really, actually, I really enjoy about reading this type of, these type of entries is because you can, you can totally see it. And it makes it more real. It makes it more realistic, I think. It helps me suspend my disbelief and like really get into the effect, I think, just personally. I agree. Uh, is there anything else in this card that you were, besides um, or Aramis, the ship stealer? And Ar- uh, I just, I did a, yeah, I did a really quick search. Aramis oh. is not mentioned. I mentioned the other, the other one that I didn't mention in like my basic rundown summary is that um, crime syndicates. Yes, spider. Yeah. Uh, also, the the report fallen SIV. I'm sorry. I every time I see SIV now in game, <laughs> I cannot help. It's but think red. Uh huh. And there's which, also a mention of which house to devils. Be, I was about to say. To be fair, there's a mention two. of house devils, so we do have the you know the splicers still technically running around. Yes. So. Yes, I, I do. I, I saw that as well, and I was like, oh, that might, that's going to be fun if that comes back. Yep. I mean, they've had hints of it in a variety of different places now, so we'll see. Uh, do you want to roll into instability? Yes, because I really like this one, actually. Yeah? Do you want to you wanna take this one as far as, like, rundown? Um, so instability is a report, real quick. Uh, it is actually a report given by Ikora, um, and I think Beard is going to really enjoy this one because Ikora's response to situation is that she views their role as Vanguard as really unnecessary. Um, she is talking about potentially having the Vanguard stand down. There's not even, uh, it's also uncertain if if this were to happen, if they would even replace the Vanguard. Um there's also a comical nod to the fact that such talk has cleared the tower of all hunters. Uh, 
because they all are like, nope. <laughs> they hear they hear the Vanguard Dare might be coming back, and they are all just vanishing into the wilds, which is really I find that just entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, let me see. Yeah, and basically what what goes on is that they Ikora says that they that she feels that they have failed to adequately respond to the questions about their integrity, competence, and unity since the loss of Cade, which is also a nod to what's going on in the Oxygen card that we mentioned uh, previously. Um, she also calls out the fact that the Vanguard was never meant to be a governing body of authoritarians, uh, and given recent events within the Red War, namely the Speaker vanishing dying you know whatever whatever is going on there um they have repeatedly kind of been put into position into that position um and and you know because they're in a state of war there hasn't really been time to address that fully uh but really it's not it wasn't the intent of the vanguard to to act in that capacity and so it's just kind of like you know, it's it's basically someone being like, look, this this really wasn't the intent of my job. I don't have the this is not my area of competence. Um, so, yeah, there's there's that. And, you know, and then it's a big callback again to, you know, neither Ikora or Zavala had ever intended to become what she refers to as politicians. Um, and then apparently the the idea of the Vanguard stepping down is not isolated to Ikora. It is actually a conversation that she and Zavala have been having. So um, and then it's a call out again to another hot topic of the community is the question of Cade's dare. What is that? What does that mean? Because I believe I, she says if they followed the chain back, they would have to put a hive god as the Vanguard, which, you know, obviously is not going to happen. Um, so in, in, t- in anticipation of the the possible caucus, which would be emit or um, putting out a general Vanguard dare, uh, the hunters have all <laughs> vanished, basically. <laughs> which hunters are very good at like they're like nope <laughs> most of the mini qualified have already fled the tower which makes me think uh that would be shiro marcus you know i think maybe chow like chowko i think if that's a hunter uh you know i i have a few names off the top of my head that i could think of that kind of maybe a nod to well yeah they've mysteriously gone missing um but yeah, that's that was pretty much uh, we get the confirmation or not confirmation. But this, again, was a report written by Ikora. Um, I don't know if I'm getting I think I think I got everything. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, Ikora, they talk about how what the Vanguard was initially established as, like what the, the intent was of the Vanguard versus what the perception of the Vanguard at this point and how the Vanguard are still continuing to function in the way that they had intended, but the perception of the community or the those within the tower and within the civilian cons, uh, contingency view them in a different light at this point. Uh, it's, a polit- it's political, and she doesn't want to be political. And yeah, you pretty much covered it all, I think. The fact that the hunters, like the the notable hunters, are <laughs> I just, running away. I love that. I just I love the the little nod there. It's like, yeah, they know that what we're about to do, so they're all gone. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 And then we get to the book or the card that's going to break beard. Beard, are you ready? <laughs> I mean, I guess that's the, that's the attitude, beard. Oh, you're not going to break this one. I already know what's going on here. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> Beard's like, oh, I, 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 yeah, I've been forewarned about this guy. Yeah, yes. I read Dust, okay? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's fair. So, Cockatus is a interesting card in so much that it is from Agent True, TRU-135. It is an intercept, intercepted transmission is the subject name of it. And it has to do with the infamous gate on A113. Which a lot of people are, uh, you, you're going to have a pretty good choice of, of people to follow as far as researching that particular one. Because I think Matt has a video out, Bife has a video out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I even saw Wally mention that he might be putting a video, like, I mean, there's... Oh, really? Yeah, it's a a pretty big one. It's very interesting, for sure. It is. I mean, A113 has been around since D1 in the dead orbit, Ghost ghost Fragment dead orbit. Well, I mean, if we're going to be honest, A113 has been around since Toy Story, so, you know. Well, (laughs) as far as the inside joke, I guess, yes. Good Lord. (laughs) Toy Story had the original gate, you guys. The nine. Actually, actually now that I'm thinking about it, I don't even know if Toy Story was the original one. Now that I'm thinking about it, it was uh, Pixar Shorts. I thought. Yeah, yeah I'm it was say, Pixar. A couple that. But uh, in Cockatus, there is um, Cockatus is the space name of the space station in which the gate and the designation A one one three comes from. The Sophia, which was the ship that did orbit. The ship of those in dead orbit who um, perished, I guess, is the nicest way to put it. Kind of went insane. I it, that's hard to it's hard to tell with dead orbit people sometimes. But um, the there are three gates. One of them is actually running and working. So the one that is running is gate number three. And a lot of the stuff within this card are based on uh, supposition and uh, theories of this agent or theories of the person studying the gates, not necessarily agent themselves, because the agent intercepted this transmission. So keep that in mind. It is a scientist of some sort or a likely warlock studying it. But within the gate, there is a lot of essentially radiation happening, and they start to notice that something is trying to come through. Initially, it is singular um, atomic particles, so hydrogen, the most basic, and then it starts to become more and more complex, where you get heavier and heavier molecules, and it eventually starts to chain into actual organic material. This takes place over about a 30-day period. It's a little over 29 days, or a little, either a little over or a little under. I need to grab my notes on that real quick. Uh, a little under 29 days, but it goes all the way from sending hydrogen uh, molecules through all the way to trying to send created life through. Granted, their last attempt of whoever this is on the other side only survived 90 seconds before uh, dying because they cannot, they don't the physics and the geometry on the other side of the gate, the geometry that they understand is not the same as the geometry in our side. So they don't understand um, entropy and uh, deterioration and metabolism and um, reproduction because those are concepts they don't have to deal with on their side. 
so they can't uh, accommodate for them on our side. And therefore, the organisms continually die as they come through. It's really creepy. It's kind of a cool card because you get to see a lot of science-y stuff in it. Pseudo-science-y, I guess. But uh, it's... Science fantasy. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Beard. Science <laughs> fantasy. It is interesting, though, because it is the... I love how it's essentially evolution sped up. Like, whoa. Like, if you imagined what evolution on this planet would be like and how many millions and thousands, millions and millions of years it takes for us to go from just being atoms to being walking, talking organisms, and the fact that the entity on the other side of this gate or the persona on the other side of this gate is able to manipulate and learn the rules of our realm for at least the basic rules within a matter of days is fascinating and really, really cool writing. Uh, other thing about this one, this card is that uh, Crota used to hold on to these gates. Essentially, he had dominion over them for a long time. And the radiation that is coming from the gate number three, which is where all the, the sludge, the tar, the, um, I'm calling it the tubular organism coming through. Uh, there are similar readings coming from the hell mount, even though there's not actual things coming out of it. Similar readings, but not the exact same thing that is actually coming out of gate three. But uh, the last thing about it is that anything that we send through to the other side apparently is annihilated upon arrival. So there's no there's no ability for us to gain any information from the other side. But apparently the other side is getting enough information from our side to be able to modify. This is the debate that Blue and I had. Was it two days ago, yesterday? Yeah, I don't remember. They all blend together. I think it was yeah, two days ago. So we were discussing, I brought up the idea of how could a being on the other side, if the organic material is perishing on our side and not able to send back information to the other side, how is the person on the other side learning it? It's essentially going through a door and immediately getting cut off from the other side of the door. But this being or this group is not getting cut off. They're able to adapt. So I brought that question up with Blue. And Hang on, wanna... I'll pull, I pull up the conversation because yeah. I've, I've, had, I've had variations of this conversation actually with a couple different... Um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> so give me one second. Let me pull my mic over here so I can don't sound like I'm looking away because I'm not looking on a different monitor. Um, so it, I remember this one also having a bit of tie-in with... I know we talked about entropy too, which, mm -hmm. will, which will actually be kind of um, involved um so do, do, do. Uh, so yeah okay so like you were saying like how does that consciousness on the other side get the information um and i my response was i kind of when i was reading this particular card i view it very similar to the way stargate presents the concept of a gate network within their universe um so basically what they would do is they would send drones through the stargate like sg1 they did this all the time because that's what the tv show was all about was explode was basically star trek but with stargate mm -hmm. they were exploring worlds and one of the things they would do is they would send a drone through and one of the first things that drone would do is basically threat analysis and environmental analysis like um you know like hey is the air breathable and am i getting shot at 
And like basically whatever information they got back, you know, they would have like video feed or whatever. And these things were specifically designed to handle that specific situation. Um, And so and with Stargate, they could lock like there was there was nuanced ways they could interact with the gate network. They could lock it so that it was a one way transport, you know, so that anything coming back would be destroyed or whatever. You know, there was there was ways that they got around, especially later in the series, they got around certain challenges. Um and I think that kind of led into the, and that's where I kind of was like, you know, no one, no one at any point in time has ever specified that these gates are two way. Right. So for all we know, it's just a one way trip. Um, and there's, there's ramifications obviously and, and implications. If that's the case, there, there are obviously some issues there, but the other thing to remember is that these are, I mean, like the fact that they are able to go through the evolution in, I think it's at the end of the, the last time mentioned was like 650 hours, 90, 690 hours. It's basically 29 days, uh, 28 to 29 days. I think it's like, I think technically it's like 28.75 days. Uh, yeah. But I mean, that's, that. that's a month. Okay. So you went from, you went from Hydrogen. not even. I mean, well, I mean, to be fair, remember, they didn't even have hydrogen. Their original right. thing was they, they sent like subatomic thing. They went from that to a, I can't say this with a straight face, a tubular organism. Um, the internet has ruined. Um, the mm-hmm. They went from that to that in 30 days. I mean, so if it, nothing else, that actually shows how advanced of an intelligence they're dealing with um because that would take normal you know evolution millions if not hundreds of thousands if not millions of years to to develop so so there there is there that going back um and i think that was where we kind of got into the conversation atomic communication and quantum communication i am not familiar and i i know i make green laugh because i kind of tossed it out there and then she responded with words and i was like I don't know what any of that means. I think you were talking about like dual molecules or something. Uh, dual. It was basically quantum entanglement or like mo- particular uh, molecule. Gosh, dang it. Now I'd, I almost have is to it, bring up the thing. Is it's it like basically, quantum entanglement or something like that? Essentially where this it's the same particle that is in two different locations. It is a theory, like a, a theory. It's not even something that we can do, but it's a theory that's out there that, um, if you have two identical molecules or um, atoms, essentially, that they're identical. They're not two of the same kind. They're two identical. They're the exact same thing in two different locations. The idea is that when one moves, the other one will move with it. So that would present the idea that you could theoretically get information from one side of the mirror to the other side or one side of the gate to the other side. But right. again, this is like science fantasy. Right. So there's 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 also like I mean, obviously there's there's a bit going on that is just even in in, in reality, at best this is theory and you know, mm-hmm. there's there's some stuff that you just kinda have to take in suspension of disbelief. But ultimately the other thing that happens is you kinda and this is where I was gonna segue it into, is because there is a thanatological concept going on here. And this is a conversation. This is where I, I kind of was able to kind of come back into the conversation somewhat slightly intelligible words, uh, because, you know, basically what's happening. I'm going to try green. Help me if I go off on a tangent, because I have hmm. been stuck in this particular theory for a day or so. Um, 
basically what's happening is that you have a translation process going on here. Uh, you have an entity that is going from one mode of existence into another mode of existence, and they don't understand the basic building blocks or the geometry of the reality. Uh, right. And it, it this this I'm gonna I'm walking on thin ice because this actually does get explained in in uh, I just went blank uh, excite exidious. Um, it, it does, Dices, thank you. Uh, it it kind of gets mentioned here, but the the thing ultimately that keeps coming back to is that the nine, which are kind of really what I I'm assuming is being talked about as being the the entity on the other side of this gate, the nine don't understand the concept of entropy or decay. Uh, and and ultimately, if you think about the nine as intellectual creatures, uh, 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 creatures of intellectual existence, um, you know they they exist in a. And Bife has said this: they exist in a psycho mutable netherverse. They they exist in a, in a, a realm of existence in which, if they think, they exist. Um, it is binary. It is a binary system. They either you you don't like in an intellectual model. You don't have entropy. You don't have decay. You either a thought either exists or it doesn't exist. It does. I mean, like it. That's just the way thoughts work. You can't have a thought decaying. Um, it that it just doesn't work that way. Your your brain can decay and you can lose thoughts. But again, the actual like the actual concept of that ephemeral thought, it doesn't go through the process of decay like a material body does. So something as simple as age for us is as inhabitants of the material plane. Um, they they don't uh, they they don't have that as a existential component within their their equations so they're going from a one-to-one rate uh, one-to-one equation to a one-to-many equation and that's where the translation error is coming in or a lacuna coil is coming in uh you see this actually in the book dust as explained by zur when he calls back the mention of ghost fragment ishtar sink uh this is where you see a dented copper uh red box and it's filled with grains of sand which if upon closer examination are picture are basically models of every single world in the known universe and possibly some others what that actually was was a message from the nine saying you know they were trying to explain what they were um or what they are you know and I'm, i know i'm getting really out on thin ice here because i'm trying really hard not to spoil the i can't remember the book um Dust and ecdysis. Ecdysis. Gosh, man, I, the the book is not in front of me, so I'm not I'm not thinking about the name of it. But uh, ecdysis kind of really goes into this and kind of connects the dots very very well. Um, but but basically, it's all a basic translation error. Um, and mm-hmm. what I was telling Green is like this is actually something that I deal with on a daily basis because I do database querying. Uh, that's one of my big components of my job is taking databases and combining them so that we can have usable data to present to you know different levels of management. Uh, and we have you know when you get to databases that are millions and millions of records, a translation error is a very big issue. Uh, and and translation errors and syntax errors, I mean, they can be the most minute thing can completely screw up 
any any query that you're running um and that's just that's just you know information displaying that's not i'm not talking about creating date i mean creating databases networking management all this other stuff is just it's even more complex but this just makes a lot of sense to me because if you also combine the idea of like the concept of what is explained in ecdysis about the nine and then add this piece on top of it it actually does make quite a bit of sense um because basically again the nine exist in a cognitive realm. They, they exist in an, a state of intellectual existence. They, there is no material thing there. They don't have to compute into their equation of being the concept of entropy. We exist in the exact opposite. We exist in a material realm within the destiny universe. We exist in a realm in which decay and entropy is a is a natural piece of our existence. We we don't you know we can't exist without decay. Um, we constantly move towards we, entropy, we, we even are, though we also have the ability to regenerate. Which is why you refer to guardians as paracausal, is because the cause and effect is that you know if you exist, you're uh, for the most part you're mortal. Uh, mortality is basically the trip of entropy. You are you are brought into existence, and then you eventually will die. That is mortality in a nutshell. Guardians and any of the creatures explained as paracausal in the Destiny universe are those creatures who don't follow that paradigm. They they break that link of causality, and that is where that paracausal kind of definition kind of comes into play. We there. I mean, that's that's a gross oversimplification of what paracausal is, but that is one of the big components: is that we are able to sidestep the entropy that is causing that that is part of our existence in this universe. That also which is why the nine, which is why the nine are interested in guardians yes. and ahamkara. And yes, that's exactly what I was just about to say. And that right there zero in on why the guardians are a pinnacle of interest to the nine because we are outliers in this bell curve of a system and if you can understand the outliers of the bell curve if you can understand the the edges and what sets us apart then you can also get a better picture of what lies in the middle of the bell curve and therefore then you can communicate more clearly with that universe so the entire the entire cockatus gates is really you know it's a manifold. It is. It is something that arguably was constructed either in the golden age or you know quickly following that. You know we don't really know. Uh, it was it's, listed as a golden age experiment. Yeah, well, yeah, part. and but I mean, I guess the point is, is like the the mentioning of the golden age experiment is they even acknowledge that they don't know what the purpose of. So it right. we don't know if the golden age experiment like. We don't know if it was to punch a hole in the multiverse or if it was to punch a hole in a different realm, you know, whatever is right. going on there. Or if it was something that, you know, Crota took over to to kind of, you know, backdoor his way into a throne world. And then because Crota took it over, you know, it, it transit. I mean, there's there's a lot of different ways that this could be explained into. But the end result is that it is now pretty much a gateway into what is kind of being presented as the realm of the nine um mm -hmm. and you kind of see that with dust i believe is the book that kind of explains that concept um and there, i mean all the all these new books this this season are all super connected and it's just when you get the full picture it just i i just really am really excited about uh Echidus and dust and all the pieces coming together because from what I've seen of them, I, I just, I, I'm really excited about it. If you can't tell. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Ah, the next one ringer. <laughs> this one makes me giggle. 
a little bit because it's the um, the civilian uh, conspiracy theorist. Oh, yeah. This is also connected to dust, actually. Yes. So um, this is a stolen intelligence from a agent agent designate CHA319. It is essentially, we find out in the very first entry that they stole this information through the lens of a sniper rifle, essentially, <laughs> from 500 meters away during a rainstorm, and they only got part of it. <laughs> which, which is like, well, the audio wasn't really that great. <laughs> like, did, did you just... <laughs> mm-hmm. Which Sorry. is terrifying to know, like, what kind of, like, equipment they were using for some of this stuff. We find out later. I'm a little miffed about um, the stuff at Drifter's Place. <laughs> Just saying. Because I'm like, am I okay to, like, be in my own home with you guys around? Is this no. thing? No, not at all. Anyway. Um, this one is essentially the... The theories of a conspiracy theorist about the effects of the Red War, essentially, like why he's theorizing why the reef didn't respond. He's theorizing why others had no warning, why dead, mm-hmm. uh, dead orbit didn't give anybody any any sort of response. There, he's a little miffed about dead orbit and uh, future war cult in this. Well, he also calls out our guardian too. Yes, like the and, fact and- that. And the funny thing is, is like his conspiracy is I, mm. fairly well sounded and at least the, the, the theory just, behind it, the reef is sounded, I think. Well, the entire. Consp- OK, is it spoiler to continue down what I'm trying to say? Because I can't remember if that was in dust or if that was I don't know. The, the conspiracy theorist, ironically, is not necessarily 100 percent wrong. I'm just going to say that. Right. Um, I don't think that's I don't think that's spoiling. Uh, and the the other thing too is that, like I had mentioned at the top of the show, this is actually a card that kind of gives us a, that not um, hidden operatives are guardians, um, mm-hmm. because the person writing the card specifically at the end specifically makes a reference that he wishes one of their own would die and be rezzed as as a guardian. I think it's Hassan. He's like, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, that's true. So I, I kind of was like, I was taking that as being like, okay, so maybe this isn't, yeah. They had a leak. Mm-hmm. They, yeah, the, the hidden have a leak, and he says that, he's like, I don't know where it is, but I bet it's, I think it, I think it was Hassan. I, he's like, I hope yeah. he, I hope he dies and gets rezzed or something. And I was like, ah, that's a funny he thing, says, to, that's a funny thing mean, to wish on people. I mean, he doesn't say he hopes he dies. He says he hopes he gets or he rezzed hopes, he hopes one he of gets us rezzed. when he dies. Yeah. Because he he thinks he's a good guy. It's not like <laughs> I wish he dies and then gets res and then he. Oh, doesn't see, I took it. Anything. I took it as he thought that it was the guy that was doing the leak. Uh, I mean, it's it may be okay. either that or Hassan is the name of the conspiracy theorist. Oh, okay, okay. That maybe is that's, the way maybe I read that's it. what. Okay, okay. I can see that because I read it as Hassan uh, Shimizu, which is the mm-hmm. the title at the top and the subject line. Um, I read it as Hassan is the conspiracy theorist who has really good insight and in that they that this person is hoping he will be resurrected and become one of the hidden later. Got it. Okay. But, that I can see that. Yep. But the other thing about this is that he's he's apparently too good. Um, 
because at the end, they the agent is going to continue to recommend to the cryptarchs not to allow for his papers to be published along with legitimate uh, publications. Which is the connection to Dust. Yes. Because that's what Hassan. happens in, I believe it's The Bone, I think is the entry. With, um, uh, yeah. Uh, I can't remember the cryptarch's name or the cryptarch assistant's name. Mm-hmm. The but one she, who goes she's, searching. She's researching and, he- and she comes across this guy's paper, actually this paper, um, and she tries to look into why uh, it was redacted. And that's what sets off apparently some little, a little, a few little Beep, beep, beep. alarms chain chain of events yeah a lot of chain of events oh yeah but a big yeah. chain of events actually yeah and then we go to forgeries which is the next one this one was kind of good to this one thank freaking god this card because this one has everything to do with truth to power which we don't have all the cards mm-hmm. out yet yes but this, this one brings back truth to power as a little bit of a relevant event Hmm. So, yeah, that is also nice. But uh, as this is also the card that mentions our guardian. But as you know, an unknown sender de- delivered six messages to VIP 2014. These missives were sent via Glimmer using simple encryption scheme that even a 5530 unit frame, <laughs> which that makes me really sad that those are considered the dumb frames, apparently. I just love that not that that like statement though is like okay seriously even these guys could have figured this out makes me sad <laughs> Ghost took immediate notice of these messages and quietly forwarded them on to Ikora who then distributed them back to us and then it's which it goes also on begs say, the question of can you trust Ghost to keep thing you know like there's there's a couple implications there too about mm. Ghost. And him quietly forwarding because he also forwards. He apparently sent the message about um, our waking hallucination. Yes. Which I, I guess okay. To be clear, do you the waking hallucination mention in this card? So there's a mention of a guardian having waking hallucinations. Is do you think that that was in regards to the um, the uh, the event at the beginning of Destiny 2 that we experienced, or do you think it was the event that will be later explained by Finchurch? I don't think we have enough information to settle that. Okay. Because that was the only debate in my head that I was trying to figure out is like, is this is this in regards, you know, to to us? Because that would have implications of ghosts kind of being the other a thing tattletale. Is, is we're also getting the hallucinations from the nine now too. Right. Specifically. Okay, that's true as well, yeah. So there's lots of different lots of different cinders in some ways, or they could all be theoretically the same one, I doubt it, but you know, you never know. Mm-hmm. But in this card in particular, we find out that from Truth to Power, if you've read the cards that you've gotten so far in Truth to Power, there are two identities of the possible sender portrayed in the cards one is eris morn the other one is a craft mind by the name medusa this card basically negates both of those as possibilities or at least calls into question the at least the craft mind eris has in this card they have talked to eris eris is not the one who sends you the those cards for truth to power they, the agent has talked to both Rasputin and Failsafe, 
to see if they knew anything about a craft mind. Really quick call out there. Can you explain that? Because I saw some people questioning that particular code. Uh, Exodus Black code? Yes. Yeah. The war mind, the AI comm codes. Oh, really? Well, I because, that was really because clear. I'm not going to make a comment either way, but I do know that there was debate on if that was a no or not. I doesn't say that it has to be a war mind. It just says it's an AI. Yeah, it's an AI com, AI communication right. for XBLK. So that mm-hmm. I, read Exodus that, Black. I, I read that as Exodus Black, which would be failsafe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then RSPN. Which are the two, yeah, which, which are the two major, the two major AI that we have in game right now. I just wanted to kind of call that out because I did actually see that um, kind of being mentioned some places. So that's 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 where those those identities are kind of brought into the fore, if you will. Right. So they basically asked those two if they had any recollection or any knowledge of a craft mind or of uh, a, another AI designated Medusa. Um, they said they have no record of that. It doesn't discount the possibility that such a craft mind may have existed. But in light of the fact that someone was impersonating our former colleague namely heirs, it follows that someone may have credibly invented a craft mind as well. So they're not, the thing that this proves is, at this card at least proves, is the fact that Eris is not the person sending it to you. Mm-hmm. So the whole story about... It also does the, something else with Eris. Yes, it does. It tells you where Eris came from. Because um, mm-hmm. Eris is a child of the city, apparently. A human child of the city, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Yes. She was born within this last city let's see if i can find that i want to say she was a human right did it is this where we found out that she was pretty sure let me see if i can find it um in these messages the sender briefly purports to be none other than one heiress mourn providing fanciful details regarding her origins as a human woman who grew up in an apparent settlement of old russia known as saint petersburg none of this account sat well with anyone who actually knows heiress not simply because none of her close con- uh, confederates had any firsthand knowledge or belief that she knew of her pre-guardian origins, but also because she is still active in the field and has personally denied sending these messages. That being said... <laughs> so that aside... That being said, in accordance with our rigor for skeptical inquiry, this agent was dispatched in pursuit of hard evidence to the contrary. I now submit to you photographic and video evidence recovered from civilian family albums, historical archives, and extant, extant ghost recordings originally captured, captured in the last city. Behold, Eris, a child of the last city, born to civilian parents in a mortal guardian's in mortal and mortal guardian integrated neighborhood. Which is Behold cool too. Two. Like Tiny that. VIP, 1786. Uh, this is the one is that almost, I don't understand mm-hmm. who we he have, is. We have no idea who he is. Though he is almost more unbelievable than Eris, if you look at his smile. So I want to know. Oh, you know what? I bet that might be Asher. That's what chat's saying. Uh, because the smile, the that. smile piece, I can I maybe see, see that. that. Okay, I can see that. That would be I funny, will, though. I will be honest that Which, the, that thought did cross my mind. Um, but there's just, there's no, there's like, there's not enough to, yeah, to there's nothing. That, and which, there's nothing in here that really goes to say that Eris is human. And that it's just that she was born to, uh, civilian parents in a mortal guardian integrated neighborhood. I, I also That's, like that because it kind of gives you a glimpse into 
some of the like the daily life of the city. Yes, yes, yes. yes. But uh, the the card goes on to acknowledge the carbon dating of the video and the photographs compared to the ghost data, and it's all consistent. Let's see here. Yeah, there's nothing in here. Consistency yes. is key. Yes. Tiny Asher. That would be hilarious if that was Asher. Asher <laughs> and Eris being friends before becoming guardians. BFFs. That would be really cute. That would be adorable, especially considering well, Eris hanging out with Asher at the end I was of D1. Say, and it would also explain maybe like where their fr- their odd little friendship does actually kind of stem from. If there's like this mm. like... Not not that they necessarily would remember, but like if they were, you know, it kind of like is a nod to is friendship really a mental thing or is that like a like is there something habitual way that we connect with? I think that would be a cool little cool little nod there. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let you take passivity. Uh, OK, because this one has to do with callous. Oh, yes. This is the one that is from TRU-135. So the the figure that we're not really sure who it is. I, th- I kind of want to say it's Trust, um, which is a guardian from Shax's fire team in Twilight Gap. Uh, and that's the only reason I say that is because he's the only guardian that or the only light bearer that I've been able to find with the name that starts with TRU, uh, which is, you know, super... Uh, defensible. I, I think that's a, 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 an amazing defense against any criticism against my judgment there. Um, no, it's not. I have I, like literally, it's the only guardian that I have that has TRU in their name. But that being said, this does talk about two VIPs, four zero four four, who will be Val. Is it Kaur? Which I believe is the uh, Spire of the Stars uh, raid layer. I think. And then uh, 3801, who is Callus. Um, the, the big note here, the takeaway here, is that we actually see a what is pretty strongly, I think, a lead-in to the season of opulence, uh, which is, I find that kind of cool that they're already kind of paving the road for that. Uh, because the agent here is talking about how there has really been no activity on the Leviathan lately. Um, and how, like, you know, that kind of is kind of nerve wracking for this particular agent because it's callous and he's been trying to convert guardians to his side for a long time and he doesn't trust him. Um, and then he also calls out the fact he uses as an example the fact that Callus, without um, without question, was uh, basically hiring out the guardians to help him with the situation with the Val. Um, and we kind of responded, and there was the whole situation of him wanting us to become the shadow. And so, like, he's basically it's again basically I don't trust this guy. Um, which for good reason. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I'm I'm not arguing with his assessment at all. Right. Like his assessment is spot on with the the situation that is going on here. Um, but the other I, thing I with do the propagate prop- propaganda campaign of Callus. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's just Callus is a Cal- lot more crafty than most people believe him to be. Well, and then there's also the fact that Callus is not Callus, like. Well, that's that too. whole that whole little tidbit, you know, kind of causes problems. Mm. Um, so yeah, and and then basically the summary is that you know, hey, no news, 
I'm suspicious. We need to send teams to explore this situation. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's really kind of, again, that's kind of where I see as you see also a connection to the dust card uh, with the, the mention of the Awoken um, doing flybys of the Leviathan, which is something that happens in dust again, later in the, in that particular book. Um, The, the comment about why the Leviathan is not able to consume Nessus is actually presented here, which is an interesting uh, theory. I, is he uh, the agent reports that the theory is that the reason that it can't consume Nessus is due to the extensive Vex machino machinoforming, I think is the term that mm-hmm. they use, uh, yeah. which is basically what they did with Mercury. They're doing with Nessus. Um, they're turning the, the 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 asteroid into a machine, so it's kind of hard to consume that for planetary resources. There's not really planetary resources there. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then there's the the issue with inbound outbound traffic to Leviathan is like non-existent. Again, kind of a nod to the fact that there hasn't been anything going on on the Leviathan. And so they're like, but how are things getting communicated? How are things getting sent there? You know, we have agents being bribed with stuff. So they're kind of maybe closing in on Benedict, um, you know, because there's that whole issue still going on in the tower that hasn't been resolved. Uh, So, yeah, it's going to be it'll be interesting. And that might explain why the I the character for the season of opulence is basically benedict with a sword you know i mean there could be a possible nod to an explanation there as well Mm -hmm. benedict is i am interested to see what's going to happen with him i'm glad they're going to make him um or at least it looks like they're going to make use him as a character an npc that's more worthwhile well i think they're gonna i think that he i I, i'm um wow i just (laughs) blanked on that i think that it would be worthwhile for them to use the asset that they already have there, not just from a mechanical standpoint, but also from a story standpoint, like Benedict's already embedded in the tower. He's already, you know, it, it's already there. He's already inserted into the situation. So not to use him would waste mm-hmm. just personally, I think, or, you know, I use agree. him, use him to further the story, at least in some capacity, maybe not him being a major component in the story, but at least furthering the the issue that we have with Callus, you know, again, actively recruiting guardians to be shadows. I mean that's that's a that's a bit of an issue. Mm-hmm. Fragment. This one hurts my head a little bit. <laughs> Partially because it's Finchurch. <laughs> Partially because it's that guy. It's hey, that guy. The inside of the tower smells like vanilla. <laughs> Oh, you mean the the traveler or the traveler? Yeah, yeah. The, okay, so this is from Agent Finchurch zero nine two. It takes place on Luna. He was essentially doing routine surveillance outside of the Hellmouth and basically got a migraine and had to go lay down. <laughs> when he laid down, he passed out and had very vivid dreams of chasing Eris Morn, trying to catch up with her. In a crowd. He couldn't. In a crowd. He could not catch up with her. She was always out of reach, whether it was by 200 meters or 20 meters. He had the sense that he needed to speak to her. When he woke up, his headache had not improved. And then he left his uh, bivouac to go outside. And there was a single stationary thrall crouched by 
crouched nearby. It stood up as he approached, but it didn't make any move to attack him. He fired one shot, killing it, and then upon getting closer to it, sees that there is a solid black fragment of an unknown material embedded in its chest cavity. The fragment resembled a flake or a shard of some larger object, not dissimilar to a high-gain photovoltaic panel, which is a solar panel. I had to look that up. I still can't say the word right, but essentially it's not, it's got a high sheen like a solar panel does. And then after the ghost analyzed it a little bit, there was nothing that um, they could see that would be worrisome necessarily. And so he decided, okay, ghost transmat it so we can get it into quarantine. Ghost couldn't do it because there was no light link to it, which is an, I don't know if we've ever had mention of light link before, but that's an interesting thing. Have we ever had any mention of Uh, the term light link? Not that I can think of. Yeah, because that, I mean, that automatically screams the nine since the nine. Mm -hmm. But um, because even things within Hive and whatnot, we can still transmat. It's it's, uh, to, to kind of go back to Star Wars. I know Green loves it when I do that. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the Star Wars example that comes to mind is the Yuuzhan Vong, um, having been outside the force because they exist outside of our solar system. Um, they're not within the energy signature of this particular system. And so like the way in, and this is the expanded universe. So I guess it's Star Wars legends at this point, but within that, um, Within that existence, the force doesn't sense they they can't like the Jedi can't sense this particular enemy because it exists outside of the living force of the system. Mm-hmm. Um and so it's a different it's it's basically a different spectrum. Uh okay. it's not that it's not that it doesn't it do, it's not that it doesn't exist within that X that that you know life force, it's that it's a different spectrum that people aren't used to seeing. And so they have problems sensing them. I kind of read that as what's going on here is like, it's not that it's technically outside of the light or whatever. It's just maybe right. that it's a different, it's a different spectrum of energy. Can I also just say that number like six freaked me out because my brain went to last week's conver- last week's conversation and I thought about weapons of sorrow initially. <laughs> um not it's not that's not what's going on here at all because after ghost tries to uh, transmit it and that fails because the fragment is described as slippery and tiring to try to catch hold of uh finchurch uses the barrel of his sniper rifle to touch and then work the fragment out of the thrall and then kind of like turning it over and trying to look at it a little bit uh, Ghost then, then does another analysis, which is in report for analysis two. They concluded that the material seems to be inert and did not seem to be part of any complex device or mechanism. And then Finchurch broke, breaks protocol. <laughs> this is the best part. <laughs> He's like, ah, I can just see it being like, ah, screw it. <laughs> yep. So instead of requesting backup, he picked it up with his hand. <laughs> and immediately experienced a vivid hallucination because this touching... is why we don't break protocol with quarantine items <laughs> oh my gosh so he was standing over 0704's shoulder as she dressed a seven inch gash on agent eris morn's thigh both 0704 and eris were dressed for combat 
Hundreds of fragments of the unknown material hung in the air round us, apparent shrapnel from the wreckage of a nearby ship of unrecognizable make and model. Eris looked directly towards me and then said, and it's in Russian, it's basically pathetic or mm-hmm. pathetic. Uh, or at least that's the translation that I was able to come up with, which we have seen this word in another card, by the mm-hmm. way. I don't remember which card, but I remember. Well, it's Russian, it so again. it's probably limited to a character. I mean, it's it's always Let's, been related to, to Eris. Well, that or Rasputin. <laughs> wait, well, wait a second. You finish this one out. I'm going to do a quick search. Oh, okay. Um. So yeah. So he has the the breaking a protocol and then running out of the quarantine issue. The uh, <clears throat> the mention of pathetic is dropped here, and then the vision lasted approximately about seven seconds. Um. But the oh, and then following the vision, they kind of stood there because they basically were like, okay, this thing is actually um contaminated. Or if this thing has contamination potential here. So they stood their ground for about 30 minutes. And then once they confirmed that nothing else was going to happen, they proceeded to bag and tag the shard. And then he filled in the report that we get here. Um, this also has the, so there's a couple things that I made a note here. VIP 0704, we are not 100% sure on the identity of that individual. Um, so uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure on who that is. Uh, and then also I I've seen this a number of times mentioned outside. Uh, and I kind of, I kind of like this. I don't know if this is actually the case or not, but it does possibly seem to be a nod to destiny one veterans who are still playing destiny one, uh, with the mention of quote guardians who have made their homes on uh, the small content of veteran guardians who have made their homes. Uh, I know a lot of the, uh, comments about this card on the Reddit threads for destiny lore. And then also some mention on Twitter I've seen kind of are, are ascribing that to be kind of a nod to to the guardian to the players who are still playing Destiny 1 and are, are playing you know because obviously the moon was a big component within Destiny 1 so that's where we kind of see that potential nod there um, I'm trying to think we have mention of Ikora we have an of Eris and a Finchurch uh, that's really that's all mm-hmm. I got on that one green mm-hmm. I think that's all I sorry got. okay sorry Nope. I know helped me out a little bit. The other card that that word appears in is in letters, which is in the Dreaming City book, which is mm. the Eris Morn card in Dreaming City book. It's just interesting. Very interesting. Anyway, threads. There are threads everywhere. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Lease is the next book. <laughs> which this is an explanation next of card. why Drifter. Drifter has... This is an explanation of why Drifter is next. From the perspective of Ikora, yes. Keep that in mind. This and is it's important. also it's also a passive aggressive note to Anor, which is amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. So after several months of negotiation, the Vanguard has agreed to allow Drifter to formally lease an unused warehouse space in the annex of the t- new tower. To be clear, this was the Vanguard's proposal, not his. That's important. <laughs> Despite the many skeptics who have good questions about the social risk inherent in providing Drifter with a more legitimate space, we feel that any disruption or morale or tower culture will be short-term and mineral. minimal. Likewise, we feel that he does not present any present danger to the tower or city inhabitants. 
We continue to work alongside Lord Shex to assess the long-term strategic value of Drifter's Gambit. I recognize that this decision will be unpopular with certain agents who have not <laughs> taken it upon themselves to invest. Yeah, basically, Ikora is like calling out Anor for basically going rogue. She's, yeah, she's going rogue and investigating Drifter, even though it's not something that has been assigned. Decide. Like, yeah, it's, she's not been told to do this. She's doing it on her own. Uh, so she I just, also. I love, like, I love that mm. that little bit of, and then I think I think what you're about to read too is the other part that yeah. I like. Yep. Please remember that I sideline myself from activity due in active active duty in order to personally surveil his activities in the tower, and that I kept guard outside his former place of business since his arrival. It is my belief that his presence will do more good than ill, and the tower has long stunted its own growth through narrow-minded fear and reactive exile of dissidents. We should endeavor to remain sharp skeptics of philosophies which differ from our own, but we should always be willing to hear and consider these philosophies. Further, any concerned members of the Praxic Order should recall (laughs) that the Vanguard holds jurisdiction over their actions, and that the exile of dissidents philosophers philosophers is very different from the exile of rogue operative operators basically don't make me do what i have to do it's like i'm sorry i love i love it you may have the cormorant blade but you're still an agent who answers to me Mm -hmm. and we we understand your concerns and we hear them but but shut up (laughs) <laughs> but stop. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that also goes back to a little bit of the the thing in uh, instability too, right? It's like the politics, right. the politics of the, like, I mean, because again, they're having the, the Vanguard is kind of in, in having to babysit. Well, they're having to babysit and they're kind of being put in a, between a rock and a hard place because they're, mm-hmm. they're having to take care of the city and they're also having to try to keep the guardians in line and the guardians are, you know, for better or worse, guardians are not really good at um, controlling impulses, mm-hmm. if you will. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's it's tough for them because it's like, no, I mean, it, I just see it as like, I is like, no, I understand why you're saying this and I get it. I agree. But there's a bigger picture. Yeah, the irony of this whole thing is the fact that Anor is the one who stole all this intelligence. Oh yeah, that's the part that gets called out in Oxygen. Uh huh. Um, so sh- the other she- the other irony oh, is gosh. that it's Ikora who is telling Anor to not be so rash. Yes, because Ikora is not the most um, docile individual. If you but will. here's the thing, and I actually got into this with Chad a little bit earlier. Is like Ikora has perspective. Anor yes. does not. Exactly. Exactly. There's there's a that's what I mean. It's like there's a bigger picture going on here. Um and I, I appreciate again, I appreciate where the logic is coming in from Ikora's standpoint, where, you know, Anor is focused on and, and it's not and, and the thing is is like neither side is necessarily wrong. Right. Right. It's it's just they both have different perspectives of what is expected to be what should be the priority here and this Mm -hmm. is also where you see a breakdown in the um 
breakdown in the maybe the military hierarchy communication without without the speaker without Cade to balance out without the without a fully functional consensus there is really going to be it's there's a really strong struggle in who answers to who you know because there's also the point where you know the vanguard is having to do a bit of babysitting but if the consensus or the guardians don't agree necessarily with what's being babysat, they're like, well, you don't have the right to, t-. they have a legit right. leg to stand on to then turn around and say like, you don't have the right to tell me to do that. So it's here's something as, as far as a de- debate goes, Dino's bringing this up in chat. All I, all of this could be avoided if Ikora would just tell Anor any other reasons that Drifter needs to be around. The problem with doing that is that you're giving out possibly in sensitive information that is not something that Anor needs. So it may be the decision of Ikora and the Vanguard in general to keep that information under wraps, well, possibly I mean, because it relates back to a particular gunslinger slash shadow slash and slash whatever. There's there's that, or an even simpler answer is that they might not necessarily know and they're trying to prevent another situation like Osiris. Right. I mean, to be fair here that's where the end comment from Ikora comes into play is just because you don't agree with someone does not mean that you have the right to exile them. Right. And so, and that's where, again, I kind of see a possibility that, I mean, it could be also that they don't necessarily know, but they also, you know, I mean, it's, again, it's the whole, we have seen a city that has, Time and time again, every time they disagree with someone, they exile, they censor, they exile, they censor. I mean, how many times have we seen this? And, you know, it seems that for better or worse, Ikora doesn't agree with that. And, you know, again, going back to there does does there have to be a legit conspiracy reason that she's doing this? No, it could just be that Ikora doesn't philosophically agree with the, the censorship or exile of, you know, dissidents from a particular philosophy. Free speech. I I mean, yeah. I, I mean, if you yeah, I mean, that's exactly it. It's it's, you know, it's that's also how I've been kind of reading it too. So, <clears throat> I mean, to put it simply, it doesn't mean that Ikora has, you know, nefarious reason. Also doesn't uh, and I don't I think it's it necessarily a nefarious reason uh, right, for I mean, either. Well, no, and I and that's the thing is like that's that's the thing with that's what I was trying to say is like I don't think either side is necessarily in in the wrong as far as like the reasons they choose to do what they do. Now again, mm-hmm. it's it's similar to my view of Zavala. I can see the logic of why I don't necessarily agree with the decision. The decision. But mm-hmm. I, I see the logic of where the decision like the the fault the the path that led to the decision. I see that. Um, but I, I, I guess, I'll be, yeah, yeah, <laughs> sorry, we're get at, off, get we're off at the, the soapbox. We're, we're at the end. Look at that. We did it. Potential. We have potential left. Oh yeah. Which that's is true. A, a Nor's book or a Nor's report, mm-hmm. which, uh, let me find my, I've been jumping back and forth between Ishtar and my own notes. Uh, this is the book. <laughs> this is the entry where Anor has basically bugged Drifter's house. <laughs> this is okay. So real quick, this is also the entry that I mentioned when we were talking about the choice, 
mm-hmm. last week. This is this is the the part where it kind of explains some of the paranoia that the city or the the Praxix feel about Drifter because the right. commentary that is included in this particular book um and it I think it actually calls it out like a, a textual analysis of the terms used um it, it kind of it just gives it gives a little bit of flavor to why some of them are a little leery of what was being said in this conversation. Well, it's a one-sided conversation for one. What, right, right. I mean, there's there's that problem too. <laughs> because it's... essentially what ends up happening is Anor hears Drifter doing his normal rambling, but at home, the rambling becomes, it turns from just like rambling about random just lines that we hear in the tower to having full-blown conversations by himself where you only get one side. And this talks about their theory about the banks, which is interesting. This talks about the echoes of Oryx or the quote unquote echo of Oryx that we see in the reckoning, which this whole thing is terrifying because apparently Drifter has the ability with the banks to create his own prime evils now based Mm -hmm. off of the energy within the banks and his own will. So drifter is a cheap version of uh, Ryan Reynolds, green lantern (laughs) and creating his own prime evils. So the echo of orcs that we fight in reckoning tier two, and I think tier three as well is not actually an echo of orcs. It's not orcs himself. It is literally just a construct that he came up with. Oh yeah, terrible movie Black Flag. I totally agree. I went to the midnight release and I will never go to another one ever again thanks to that movie. Anyway, going back to this. Um, there are a lot there's a whole transcript of his conversation at the bottom of this, which it sounds like he's having a conversation with possibly the emissary. Well, I mean, right. And I think that was the other thing that I was going to make a comment too. is like, it sounds like a one-sided conversation, but if it's just an audio feed, how do you know that it's not a conversation over a communication device? You know, like there's, right. I can see a, a, a few different, and again, I can, you know, there's, there's ways to play this, this situation out in which right these things make sense to be a little leery well, about. The only thing that makes me think that it's either the emissary or the nine in general is the fact not only because it's listed as class uh, NA, but also the uh, user 1.02. You showed me a universe with no light dominated by the dark. What what are you arguing? Steadfastness in the traveler's dogma? Ha <laughs> ha. That's not obtuse enough for y'all. And he, some of the different voice lines that Drifter has talks about his connection with the nine and the hall, which they, you kind of find out a little bit more about the hall in this card too, but I don't know, just poor drifter. You find out drifters having these hallucinations in last week's um, invitation to the nine. You find that out last week that he's also hallucinating, mm-hmm. which that may be what this is as well. It right. may be an actual, well, or at least it looks like a hallucination to everyone else but he's actually having a conversation what else do you want to talk about in this card no i mean that's that's pretty much it i I was just going to call out um you know the fact that again it was kind of a lead up to the allegiance quest possibly 
because also remember that this is all stuff that arguably was uh, uh, done or released before the Allegiance quest was supposed to drop. Mm-hmm. But that was my that was my big here is that I like how everything this season has really strongly tied into each other. Like I, I think that's that's been a really nice touch. Um, I not not that it wasn't the case before, but it's very much more. I think a little bit more overt. Um, mm-hmm. I say that with the knowledge that at the same time the connections cause headaches. Um, but the connections at least are a little bit more. Uh, We're getting some clarification. Clarif- yeah, there's 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 uh, there's clarifications and answers to questions that have been long outstanding, really, and I think I really appreciate that more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, even though in the clarifications that we get, more questions are asked, which, yeah, yeah. Welcome to life. Um, but yeah, that was my, my one bit there. Mm-hmm. We do get a description from Drifter of who he's talking to, but I can't say it on this podcast because <laughs> he curses at it. <laughs> but I mean, you can say it. I'll just bleep it out. Okay, he calls them you pencil-necked phantom geeks. <laughs> so apparently they're real thin and tall. <laughs> and maybe a little see-through. I don't know. Oh, uh, uh, I love it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, yeah, I didn't, so I guess in closing, really green, do, do you have any, what are, what are your your overall concluding thoughts i guess it's a book about things to come possibly (laughs) i want to know more about what's going on back on the moon because of this book i haven't Mm -hmm. thought about the moon in a long time and i haven't thought about the gates Mm -hmm. per per se um i never really gave any weight to the story of the sophia and the dead orbit crew because um i don't I'm not a dead orbit person, so I never really gave it much weight, but the whole bringing of it back up and tying it to the held mouth directly is something that has really fascinated me. And so that is something I'm looking forward to finding out more about. Obviously, this book is littered with stuff about the nine. It's littered with um, hints about Callus and Eris and Truth to Power and everything that's going on. but. I really want to know what's going on on the moon and why the Hellmouth itself also is doing some of the same things that those gates are doing, at least giving off similar readings. Right. And I think, I mean, to be fair, I think they do kind of give a little bit of a nod to an answer is like these used to be within Crota's manifold realm esque. But I I think the question that I have more and kind of agreed with you on that is like, is and I understand that this is also getting into really theoretical at best, you know, science, which we kind of talked about science fantasy and stuff like that. So I, I understand that there might be, there's, there's going to be a limit to what can be explained, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I also am curious about like, how, how all does this mesh together? Like, mm-hmm. because you have, you have the nine, you have the, the hive you have this manifold you have the gate system you have the ascendant realm and it it all is it's obviously all connected in some form or fashion but my question is okay but i want more information on that because that that just that to me just is fascinating 
What if we find out this whole entire time now this is just utter craziness and not logical whatsoever, but the gate that, or not Oryx, Crota cut through where the Vex came through? What if that's related to some of the gates that we have now with the I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I'll, I, I mean, I... I think that given and, and it, but again, I think it goes back to how how are they related? Because right, if they're because there's just so there's so many different examples of gate networks of branches of bridges. You know, I mean, you have I mean, mm-hmm. just to, just to the name a couple. And- you well, I mean, not even in in destiny. I'm talking about like in mythology. You have like you oh, have, right. you have uh, the the Celtic understanding, the Viking understanding. You have you know in more modern parlance, you have uh, Stargate. You have I mean Star Trek, Star Wars, all these all these science fiction or science fantasy books. You have I mean plenty of works by Heinlein. I mean, there's just it's just the 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 uh, breadth of examples for this particular concept are just endless, and so it's really hard to set to ascribe a set of logical rules to it because there seems to be this seems to be its own unique thing, which is a hundred percent fine. I'm I'm completely fine with that, but I just I like how we're getting drip fed a little bit more um, logic with each kind of release on mm-hmm. how how this whole ecosystem i guess uh really or this this metaphysical uh yeah ecosystem i guess is the best word for it uh how it works together like because that's that's really for me personally i love that part of of stories it's the world build world building aspect um you can get you can get such cool detail doing that type of stuff and and i i really I'm really digging the whole, like I said, I, I like the way that we're getting drip fed this information because it makes us part of the journey. Um, and I think that's as much important as anything else within the game. I think exploring this and I like how it's forcing us to to theorize and to to work the theories and, you know, all this different stuff. I just I love it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm also frustrated buy it because i just want the answer and you know it's it's just one of those things but it where, wouldn't be as fun if you just no got the no answer. i mean i i am complete well i mean anyways i just flashed over to halo um the uh but like the uh the thing is is like right the journey is actually the fun part like the, that's where the uncovering and the the learning and you know all that i totally understand why we're being given it the way we're being given mm-hmm. um but I also, you know, I, I also see the other side, the frustration of a lot of people with, you know, well, we're not being given it <laughs> because it's like it's I, I get that frustration. Right. Beard. Hmm? What do you what do you think? What do you think of the, the, the book? Uh, definitely a lot of different places that it effectively goes. Uh, I think it'll help when I'm able to sit down, read over things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of things that there's a lot of revelations that I didn't go into because mm-hmm. I just wanted to give a basic summary. But there are a lot of little tidbits like the whole um, machino forming of Nessus being a possible reason why the Leviathan can't consume it. Or there's there's just a bunch of different little tidbits that are really important as far as like the understanding of the grand scheme of things, things but aren't necessarily important to us giving the rundown of what's going on in the cards yeah that makes any sense i'm gonna say it sounds like there's a lot of like little little nitpicky things and a lot of rights and it 
what I kind of got from the couple entries I was able to kind of read over and sober from the, mm-hmm. from this previously, uh, it really felt like a, um, I guess, a very good world building book. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the the major kind of got. Um, I know Blue, you had mentioned about uh, how everything is kind of interconnecting. Uh, I would still go back to a comment I made. I think it was last week, where it just feels like the entirety of the annual pass as a whole. Mm-hmm, uh, or mm-hmm. maybe green. I think I had I had this. I forget. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just feels like the annual pass as a whole uh, is very interconnect- yes. interconnected. Interconnected, uh, and I feel like that was almost their purpose with it. Like the the content is is given to us in little bite sized pieces over the course of several months. Uh, but largely, I think that it's done that way on purpose. I don't know. Well, it's a, like let's look at the connections that we have. We had the the last word. Now, granted, Black Armory. I the connections between Black Armory and currently the the season of the Drifter. There's not a whole lot there necessarily. But with Drifter, we're getting all this information about the Nine. We're getting information about the shadows of uh, Yor. We're getting information about drifter himself we're getting information about the status of the tower a lot of that's tying together and then this whole thing about the nine on the moon and the the hall and everybody connected that way and the new it's just it's a really convoluted storyboard but i like it but i don't envy the writers as far as like creating the storyboard on a wall or a whiteboard oh my God, yeah the continuity for this is i mean and the other thing is too it I, that's why i'm really i i i would love after this is all said and done to see like a behind the scenes of how they managed all this uh-huh. because like i can see a couple different ways to do it like i can think of a couple different ways and i'm sure there's there's plenty of other or much more knowledgeable in how this does how this operation works i'm sure there's other ways but like I can see, you know, there's there's a couple different options that I could see that working, and I'm just curious, like how the, I mean, like for, even from a big level, a big picture level, like how how you keep all the stuff straight. I mean, I find it challenging to keep stuff straight, but I don't know if that's necessarily because of I, I don't consumer versus creation. Well, there's that, but I think it's also like how much of it is a is a um imposed confusion if that makes sense mm-hmm. like how much of it is a misdirect given to us because it's a direct like be, the intent it's is a to red misdirect it. yeah how much of it is is actually intended to misdirect us as much or more than the the story is confusing you know like mm-hmm. i thought we were talking about the whole dredge and your thing and it's like all when all when you know you you look at everything you, you cross the t's and dot the i's and all that and you look at it it's like looking at it from where we are today, the story of Dredge and you know, the story of Shin and Dredge and, and, you know, especially the Palamon situation and all that, it's, it's a really, really basic story. Like it's not, it's not complex. Um, but what made it so memorable and what made it so complex for people was the delivery system. It mm-hmm. was, it was how it was delivered, you know, the revelation of, of Rezel into Dredgen and, you know, how that was not revealed until the very, very end of the entire thing. I mean, I know I've said that before, but it's like, you know, the writing style for the artist or the, for the writers over at Bungie, regardless of John, uh, John, Seth, Z, uh, any of them, Joe, Joe, uh, you know, all of them, they are all 
top notch in the way that they combined the beauty of the writing with the the subtlety of the delivery. Like, and I think that's they're just. I mean, the the full use of the medium that is the video game is just really to me part of the joy of what we do here. Um, and and so that's where I kind of like I'm like I think you I think this is what's being said, and then it's like oh no oh no it's not and I don't know. Well, it's I, like I the truth to power with that. the with the heiress revelation right in this book. right right right. No, the co the co joining of information and the revelations are mm-hmm. just I I just love it indeed. Indeed, indeed. I also do not love the Thorn Strike. You're still working on it? I we have gotten it down to an eighth of the last the boss's life. Mm-hmm. Uh I'm gonna just say F thralls right now because mm-hmm. Jesus. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. sneaky they're, ter- they're sneaky little buggers. They are, especially when you don't have headphones on there. You where you yeah, can I'm, I'm, I'm kind of. I, I will admit, I'm also running at a kind of severe disadvantage there because without radar and without sound, I'm doing a lot of paranoid spinning. I, I will be, I will be completely <laughs> honest. That is happening quite a bit. Um, oh goodness, that's funny. There's a lot of okay. I'm in a hallway, and I'm pretty sure nothing's sneaking up behind me. Oh wait, something's behind me. Mm-hmm. That spot is terrible. Oh, it, I know this, which this, spot you're talking about. Yeah, this this particular bot. There's not really a place for me to play my play style because it's just all like, "Hey, you're in exposed. your face. You're exposed." Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, I don't like it. I'm a, yeah. I'm a I'm a hide in the corner and at a range type of player. It's a fun encounter, though. Oh yeah, no, I mean like the the uh, I, I uh, the mechanics. I totally see. I saw. Um, I think it was designers for this level. They made a comment about how it was meant to kind of repress. I wish I, I'm actually going to, I'm as soon as we get done recording, I'm going to turn on headphones because I really want to hear the music for it. Uh, mm-hmm. Because they said that the entire, not just the mechanics, but also the music was meant as a reprise of the original Thorn Quest. Yes. So, and for those who remember the original Thorn Quest, the pain and the PTSD of that particular mission You'll you'll understand why it's Made. like. I was telling him this at the beginning of the podcast that a well of radiance is great. You need a warlock. We have a warlock. We got one. You do? Is he yeah. running well? Uh, he is running eight. I don't know. There's a glowy thing it's... that he throws down on the ground. I don't know warlocks. I don't. Yes, floof. he's. He, that's what he's running. He, the sword that goes into the ground with the circle with light, and you stand in it and make moats for you. Oh, I don't think he's running that. I don't know. I haven't seen a sword in the ground. Granted, I've been, dodging, the ground? I've been dodging quite a bit, so I don't okay. really know what's going on. I know that I can tether the ever-living bejesus out of all these ogres, and it makes harps. So satisfying. Yeah, it is. It's eat, friends, eat. But yes, anyways, uh, so shout out to Pins, who is putting up with my mute, mute nonsense right now in game. Um and yeah, now chats chats reliving reliving the pain of the original <laughs> Thorn Quest. Oh, hiding in the Shrieker room. That's where Icebreaker really shone. But Green, what about you? What shoutouts do you have? I don't think I have any shoutouts for this week, actually. Um, I guess no, no, I really don't. I <laughs> shout out to my <laughs> Gambit team. Oh no, no, no! Shout out to uh, Nerd and Needle. Oh yeah. Did she, she uh did you get the patches? 
I have not got them in the mail yet, but I ordered them. I ordered nice. a full set of Gambit patches for my Gambit team, which they, some of them know who's getting, like some of them know who they are and some of them don't know who they are yet. So I am going to be handing those. Some out of them don't know who they as are. As far as, as they don't know that they're getting the patch, I guess. Oh, okay. I'm like, they don't know that they're in your Gambit team. Like, I mean, how does how does that work, Green? I, w- I want like, details like details on like, on the sneaky the sneaky gambit collaboration it's, here. It's I mean, like, it's it's, it's <laughs> like you're my boyfriend, but you never knew that, right? 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 No, it's nothing like that. No, it's literally they. I have two options as far as for one of the patches because I tend to I, my team fluctuates, and I'll, I don't know which one of them I'm giving it to yet. That's more of what it is, but I just, my team. I had I had like this mental image of like, hey, come play Crucible with us. Okay, God, <laughs> she tricked us into Gambit. <laughs> Actually, we run Gambit more often than we do Crucible, right? Well, now. Well, no, I, I mean, I can see that, but <sighs> I'm like, I just, I can see yeah. that being like a legit, being like, yeah, we're gonna run Crucible because you're not wrong necessarily. <laughs> well, I mean, depends on which role you're playing, but yeah, yep, yep, yep. But yeah, that's my right. shout out is Nerd and Needle. Go check out her Etsy store. She's got not only the Gambit patches, which she's done, but also um, patches for the different factions and patches for um, Queensguard and all sorts of different Destiny related as well as other fun, fun, fun patches that she makes. That's my shout out. Awesome. Beard, what about you? Uh, I don't honestly have a, a whole ton i guess uh i guess like i like i said earlier uh thank you guys for the warm welcome back mm-hmm. um a uh it's been a tough last few months and whatnot and this last week most fun for me at all either get back into the general swing of things um how's your head i'm i'm doing okay i might feel a little uh feel a little bit on the painful side again um i did want to bring up uh, that a article has kind of been making circulation um that uh, the New Yorker had put out from Amelia Clark. Uh, uh, yes. You might know her from uh, the Game of Thrones. Uh, she plays uh, Blue. Help me. I don't know Thrones. Daenerys. Daenerys. I find it, I find it hilarious that I'm the one that reminded this. <laughs> yeah. I don't watch um, this at all. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the one. Uh, I, I guess that's the one. The one character that I know a lot of people know. She's the the dragon lady. She has the the platinum hair and everything with the robes and stuff. She's gorgeous. See. Yeah. Um, through recent events that I've uh, kind of gone through with a uh, a friend and uh, also a a a longtime listener here and on my show uh, or my channel as well, uh, Amelia had gone through a very rough uh, patch in her life that she's finally kind of coming forward with uh, fully, or at least exposing fully. Uh, but she had uh, two aneurysms over the course of about a year, year and a half. Um, and I think what it does to serve, even if it is just a matter of her sitting in her her general vicinity as like a, a fairly uh, popular person or a fairly, uh, you know, a, a person that's around uh, in like celebrity and so on. Uh, just know that your health is pretty much the only thing that matters. Uh, and no matter what it is that you may be doing or what it is that may be uh going on that if you don't have your health then you have nothing uh she allowed things to kind of go a little bit far 
uh, and unfortunately it was more a matter that she wasn't sure what was happening. Uh, but it's just as important to go get uh, get checked out if things start to be pretty commonplace or otherwise. Uh, just to be very mindful overall of like what it is that's uh, that's going on with your body. Um, anyway, that's the uh, that's the the general shout out I wanted to kind of leave. I think it's a worthwhile article to read. This is like a a reminder to value those that are around you because you do never know when they are going to poof. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also as just a general reminder to take care of yourselves. And if there's been something that's uh, that's generally been bothering you pretty consistently, uh, then at that point I would really say. Um, I would definitely say that overall, uh, get it looked at, uh, make sure that you're okay, first and foremost. Uh, and I know I'm one to talk when I've got migraines that last for five days at a shot, but I already went down that road, so I got looked at. See? I, I followed my own words. Yay. Well, and at the end of the day, just remember, entropy is a part of our existence. <laughs> yeah. Is that the moral of this whole story? That's the more okay. You're talking to a person who studied thanatology. Okay, so I'm gonna focus on the morbid aspects. That's just kind of part of my nature. Blue is emo confirmed. Oh my god, I'm not talking to you for a week. <laughs> so rude. You love me. It's fine. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we'll see you guys next week, and I believe we're going to be talking about ghosts in there. Oh, I did mention that. I need to mention that. Uh, basically, the reason why we're talking about ghosts and their guardians next week is because Strawpole was dumb and decided to nuke the poll before I could look at the review. So I just had to kind of flip a coin, and I literally flipped a coin and just kind of RNG'd it to to get that topic. So. I apologize because I'm pretty sure one of the new books was actually in the lead. Mm -hmm. And uh, there were two books that were tied. Were there? Okay. Yeah. I I felt, I yeah, I felt really bad, but I was like, I can't, I, like I literally, I went to straw poll and I was just getting uh, 504 errors all day. So I was like, oh, this is not good. So yeah, so we'll be doing uh, Ghosts and Their Guardians, which will be kind of a nice little relaxed, probably more of a let's chat thing. Um, and chat is thanking me for the existential nihilism. You are most welcome. Uh, Dead Orbit loves all of you. Anyways, see you guys next week. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusedfirechat. Links to all our episode archives can also be found at www.focusfirechat.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments or questions for our team concerning the podcast and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. Also, be sure to check out all the amazing work being featured over on thelorenetwork.com. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.